you the first few verses here and we'll move right into this. Now on the twenty and fourth day of this month the children of Israel were assembled with fasting with sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and they read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day. And another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. I love how there's a great, a little bit of a connection there between confessing, confessing and worshiping. Confessing and worshiping. And uh, no doubt when you are, when you are understanding the worship and, and display, putting on display the worship of God, I think a confession of sin falls right along, right in line there with showing God who He is worthy. And I like that. And we're going to look at this here tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. God, would you bless, please? We ask as, uh, for, the, for, the, for the illuminating uh, work of your Holy Spirit, that you'd illuminate your word tonight. You would teach us tonight. You would encourage us tonight. Whatever the need and, and whatever heart is here, all of the, of the hearts that are here, Lord, whatever the need is, Lord, we know you are sufficient to supply. You have exactly what we need. And you, we ask you tonight that you would do that. And uh, we thank you for the for the praise from Micah and how you've been working in that situation there, and uh, we we love it, Father. How you just uh, I just said it earlier. How you do abundantly more than we ask or think, and we thank you for that tonight. Uh, Lord, would you bless the the time together in Jesus' name, Amen. If you remember in Nehemiah chapter eight, in Nehemiah chapter eight, we were standing. Israel was standing before the get the water gate in a solemn assembly they were having there. It was the eighth day. It was the eighth day after the seven days of observing the feast of tabernacles. And uh, they were, but they were, they were sitting there at the at the water gate. They were asking for the word of God. They were craving the word of God. Uh, they had just finished the wall. They had finished building the wall. And and and, and we looked at it like la- last week that you know uh, Nehemiah hadn't asked them to assemble. Ezra hadn't asked them to assemble. It was it was hearts that were craving and, and hungering for the word of God. And these Israelites, they had come together and then they had said, Ezra, w- find Ezra. We want Ezra to read the word of God to us. And Ezra stood up. They made him a pulpit of wood. You remember? He began to read the word of God. And I tell you what, great joy came about in the place. They read for several hours there. We saw this this outline. I'm, I'm always amazed. I always enjoy the the orders that God puts things in. I think orders are in purpose, you know. And we saw this. They asked for the word of God. And as the word of God was being read, the Bible said they were saying amen and amen. And they were raising a holy hand. And they were involved in the service. And they were participating in the service. And then you see the uplifting of hands. And it moves into an aspect of worship. And I've told you this. Worship isn't looking up. Worship is looking down, right? And there was an aspect of worship. And you see this. The assembly the participation within the assembly and then like an invitation where they are they are uh 
um, moving in, in, upon what they had been impressed by the word of God. And then you saw the next day that the priests were coming out. They were teaching the people. Uh, you look at this, it's kind of like discipleship day two. After they spend all this time reading, they're discipling. And then after that, you see they have came and they found a commandment that they weren't doing. And they said, oh, we need to be doing this. Actually, they hadn't been doing this commandment for close to 800 or about eight, eight or 900 years. So to the time of Joshua. And so because of all of this and because of the obedience, the Bible says in chapter 8 and verse 17, and all the congregation of them that were come out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. For since the days of Yeshua, uh, uh, the son of Nun, unto the day that uh, day had not the children of Israel done so. Look at this. And there was very great gladness. They were happy. They were rejoicing. There was a joy unspeakable full of glory, right? They were excited about what was going on. And I'll tell you what, gladness is normal when a heart is getting right with God. I tell you what, it, there is no happiness or joy like the happiness and the joy that comes from a repentance and a return to God. I'm telling you what, it is a wonderful time. I think of that, uh, that, that little, the, that chorus, trust, uh, the chorus of the hymn, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Right. Obedience is its own reward, and what a great reward it is of joy and, and happiness that comes. But the eighth day was a day of fasting and sackcloth. They, they put earth upon their heads, the Bible says here in chapter 9. They had, they, had been, they had been reading, they had been mourning over their sin, and I want you to remember there is a process and a pattern that is going on here in chapter 9. They went from great gladness to mourning. Sounds backwards. They went from great gladness. They're getting right for with God. I mean, that's joy. To mourning. This is interesting, really, to me. You know, until you decide to pursue God again, you will never come to mourn over your sin. The mourning over sin comes after the pursuit not before. Yeah. Some people say, I just don't feel convicted about it. Well, it's just probably because you're not pursuing God. And we'll look at that tonight. See, we really think the opposite would be true, but it really, it really is not. See, watch, when we're away from God, the illuminating, searching light of the Word of God is so far from us that really, t many times, we don't realize how sinful our sin really is. I mean, we acknowledge it's sin. We know it's sin. We could agree with it and go, yeah, I know that's wrong. But there's something that doesn't break us. The mourning is not there over our sin. I mean, remember, we, we saw... Uh, uh, um, Ezra and when the, the brokenness of Ezra and how he wept and his response to the sin of Israel when he came back and he saw the condition of Israel because of their disobedience coming out back out of the land and it said all of the Israel gathered along with him as well and they said they sat there and it was like if I remember right it was like it was raining and they're weeping and they're mourning over their sin because of the brokenness of Ezra just it was just it, it was contagious along around along among the people of Israel. And we don't always realize how sinful our sin really is. But when the truth of the Word of God begins to penetrate the mind and it gets a hold of our heart again and we, de we begin on a trajectory to begin to pursue God again, the same process takes place as we're seeing here. 
the light of the Word of God begins to illuminate on our sin and we go, oh, it's exceeding sinful. And mourning comes, right? And see, there's, there's many different circumstances that bring this on. Now, now in, in our text here in chapter 9, it was great gladness and joy. It was the great work of God. It was the faithfulness of God. It was the miracle that they got the wall done in 52 days or whatever it was. And, and they, they began to look at the goodness of God. Doesn't the Bible, I mean, doesn't that sound familiar? What is that verse? You know, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? There's all different ways. Sometimes, sometimes it, it, it is through the circumstances of good and the mercy of God and the grace of God that bring us to a place to pursue God again, to get our heart right with God again. And when that happens, when we begin to obey the Word of God, boy, I tell you what, the, the light just begins to flood. It begins to flood us. And watch this. We begin to see sin for what it really is. Oswald Chambers spoke of this one time, and, and I like how he described this. He goes, you know, when you came to Christ, it wasn't necessarily one great, huge thing, maybe. You just knew, he said, you just knew something was missing. But the moment you came to Christ in the indwelling Holy Spirit, you begin to see how, how, how wicked your wickedness really is. Yeah. You know why? Well, you got, you, you know the old, the old uh, illustration, you got a clean rag next to a dirty rag. And all of a sudden you thought, well, I thought that was clean. That thing is dirty, right? <clears throat> or you go to the paint store to get white paint and you bring it home and you realize that ain't white, that's almond. <laughs> it looked white until you put it next to white. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when the, word of, when the light of the Word of God begins to shine upon our light and shine upon our sin. So watch this. This is how great gladness turns into great mourning. The joy of serving God, the joy of getting on the right path, the joy of just uh, getting a heart right with God, nothing like it. But boy, I tell you, as you get in the Word, yeah, it really, really begin to see our sin. You see the pattern here, obedience, light, and then sight. Obedience, light, and then sight. How, how, long, how long has it been yeah, since you mourned over sin? We're going to see here in the text tonight, it's not even a specific sins they're talking about. You know, I don't want to give it away because then you'll just go home. You'll be like, oh, I got it now. But, yeah. So on our way to look at confession tonight, I want to address something. A couple, couple, couple little items we're going to get here about confession. That's the title of the message I have somewhere after morning confession. Not M-O-R-N-I-N-G. <laughs> Not after you get up in the morning. Sometimes there's confession there, but but uh, M O U R N is that right? M O U R N. Why do I spell stuff? I N G. The other morning. Yeah. It's one thing to mourn over your sin, but mourning without confession simply leaves one in self pity. Mourning has to go to confession. I've noticed this in my short tenure. <laughs> That's the right word to use, pastoring. And uh, I've known of a few people that just, they just mourned over their past. They mourned over what they did. They mourned over this and they, they never got past it. They never got past it. I remember one individual this way some years ago and it just dawned on me. It's like, well, if you ever choose to get past it and then you've got to, then you, then you have to, uh, you, you you have to start living right. It's like if you don't, if you live and wallow in your sin, you never come to a place of walking after godliness. 
You just wallow in it. Why? Why? There's mourning over their past and over their sin, but it never, I mean, maybe it led to some sort of confession, but I'm telling you what, when true confession and forgiveness comes, guilt goes away too. That's the joy of the forgiveness of God as is, is, is the guilt goes away. But watch, we know this. God desires fellowship. You preached on this Sunday night. God desires fellowship and a relationship with us. He's made every, every, uh, um, everything, every provision necessary to make a relationship with Him possible. And so when we have a wrong view of sin, it can hinder our fellowship with God. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things here. There are some wrong responses that we, we have seen to sin in the life. I, wanna, I, 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 want, you, I want you to see these. One, one, one wrong response is some people, you know, they come to, to mourn over sin, but in, they, they would never say it this way, but actually what they're doing is they are refusing God's forgiveness. They're not receiving it, right? We receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He's there. He's available, right? We come with uh, uh, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But you know, we have to receive forgiveness throughout our life, our Christian life, when we sin against God. We're not getting saved again. We know that. This Wednesday night. I don't need to explain that to you. But uh, it's a fellowship here thing. It is a severing of the fellowship there. And But some people, it's like they just refuse the forgiveness that God has for them and, and they, they, they live in this state of self-loathing and, and, and refusing forgiveness. But watch what actually is going on when you live this way. If you would just want to drag yourself through the muck of your sin constantly, watch what you're doing. Be careful of this because what you end up doing is setting yourselves above God. Because he says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So watch, if when we just loathe and wallow in our sin and kind of refuse to receive the forgiveness that God has for us, what we end up doing is setting ourselves up above God. Wow, that's kind of blasphemous. We become the authority. That's not good, right? So that's, that's a wrong response to sin. Here's another wrong response. I've heard this many times. I understand it. I, I understand what's being said. I do. I get it. Right? But sometimes when you're trying to help people recover from some big sin in their life, they'll say this, well, I just can't forgive myself. I didn't know you were the one who needed to be forgiven. No, I, I know what they're saying. I do. But ultimately, God is the one who we've sinned against. God is the one who we've sinned against, right? And, and here it is. Uh, uh, you, 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 uh, you, you're, you're sinning against God, and really you're sinning against God alone. Yeah. You say, well, well, hold on. I've sinned against my conscience. Yeah, and you've ultimately sinned against God. Well, I've sinned against my own soul. Well, you've ultimately, uh, first and foremost, you have sinned against God. See, I, what I'm saying, mourning over sin is necessary, but it's got to be followed by confession. It's got to be followed by confession. Look at verse 2 in our text. What is confession? Look at verse 2. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all the strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. What were they really doing? Here they are confessing. What is the point of confession? Well, really, it's so a relationship can be made right again. 
I told a young man one time, he was trying to help him to understand the gospel, understand uh, repentance towards God. And I said, have you ever had a problem with your dad growing up? He said, yeah, I have. I said, uh, now think about it. You imagine there's a time in your life you have a problem with your father. You've sinned against your dad. You've had what you would have called it a disagreement. You left the house. Ten years later, you went through your life. Fifteen years later, you came to the recognition, oh, dad was right. right. Now you've admitted you're wrong. Right. But what confession does, watch this, as I said, but now you have a choice to acknowledge that dad is right and go on with your life or to return and go back, confess and restore the relationship. That is what we do when we come before our father for salvation. We're, we're coming to him to restore, to be reconciled back to him by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. This confession here is so a relationship can be made right again. First John 1, 9 again cleanses us from all unrighteousness. See, watch. If God has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, right, there's nothing left to be forgiven. It's all cleansed, right? Confession. Confession. If mourning never makes it to confession, I've said it before, mourning becomes self-centered. And really, in a lot of ways, you just don't want to make the relationship right. Listen to what Vance Havner said. When we sin, we are often upset, not because we've grieved the Spirit, but because our pride has been injured. Boy, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? Have you ever gone to the Lord with a confession of sin and, and you've realized in your heart of hearts, I haven't really got to the place of mourning of what it does to you. I know what it did to me, right? Just, you know, how sin affects you. Yeah. And you feel, kind of feel, you know, a lot of times if you're honest with yourself, a lot of the, a lot of the problem with your own sin is that, uh, is that you've just kind of, uh, kind of fell short of a standard that you set for yourself and it bothers you. But it never really has gotten to the place of I have sinned against my heavenly Father, yeah. and it grieves Him. Yeah. Why well, is the word grieve when it grieves the Spirit of God? What is that? It breaks His heart. Breaks His heart. Yeah. Yeah. So confession is made to make a wrong relationship right again. Yeah. yeah. And this is what we're looking at here in chapter nine. So here's what I want to show you. All right, we've got that down. I think. I hope. Anybody want me to go back? Okay, no. If you remember from Genesis, you see this over and again. The one who creates has the authority. God is creator, amen? He made it all. He has the authority. We, I don't have to dwell on this too long. We understand that. Watch, if confession is going to be made, it must be established first who the authority is. Yep. So in chapter 9, Israel is establishing the fact that God is their authority and, and they are establishing it by illustrating all of the areas in which God is at work. Now watch this here. Look at verse 6, what they say. Listen to what they're saying. Thou, verse 6, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth, with all the things that are therein, the seas, and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth, Thee. Watch this. They have established the authority of God as creator. Yeah. 
What are they saying, God? You are the authority over our life. Actually, the authority over all of your all over all of your uh, creation. They are acknowledging God as the only God. They are acknowledging God as Creator. They are acknowledging God as the sustainer of all that is. They are have established God as the authority of their life. But look at verse seven and eight. They establish. They, they are establishing God's authority in their life. By acknowledging, watch this, that God chose their father Abraham. Look at verse 7. Thou art the Lord, uh, the God who did chose Abram and brought us him forth out of the earth of the Chaldees and gave them the name Abraham and found us, uh, his heart faithful before thee and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Jebusite and the Girgasite to give it, I say, to his seed and, and has performed thy words for thou art righteous. They acknowledge that God chose their father Abraham. And look at verses 9 and 12. They established God's authority for their life. By how? By acknowledging God's deliverance from Egypt. And here they list all of these things. And here they saw the miracle after miracle after miracle after a miracle. And only God could do this in their life. And they're acknowledging God's, they're establishing God's authority by acknowledging his deliverance from Egypt. And then verses 13 and 14, they established God's God's authority in their life by acknowledging that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and that acknowledging that God gave Moses the law. Now notice verse 15. You can go back and read these. I'm running out of time. Verse 15. They established God's authority for their life by acknowledging God's provision to accomplish His will. Look at, look at this verse 15. And gave us them bread from heaven for their hungry, hunger and brought us them forth water from out of the rock for their thirst and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou had sworn to give them. God is the source of all of our needs and all of our provisions. And notice what, the, what they're doing here in verses 6 through 15. They have established the person of God. They have established the purpose of God, the power of God, the protection of God, the provision of God. See, watch this here. Before the people will begin to confess, they are establishing that God is everything in their life. He's the authority. Yeah. You got to get that down. Right. We got, you have to get that down. You, we, we see this over in Psalm 54. Really, David established this as well when he said, Against, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil. Did he sin against others? Absolutely. Did he sin against uh, Uriah? Yes, he did. Did he sin against Bathsheba? Yes, he did. Did he sin against his nation? Yes, he did. Did he sin again against his position as king that it was that God says established in righteousness? Yes, he did. But ultimately, it begins with his authority. It begins with God. And he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So they established authority. Watch this number two. Then they begin to confess Israel's rejection. The next, the next few verses contain the first confession here that they're going to make. They've established God's authority. Watch this, verse 16. They confessed they rejected the God who was everything to them. They rejected God. Look at verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to Thy commandments. What were they doing? Well, they were just rejecting him. It says they rejected the commandments. Yeah, they're his. You can't separate God from his commandments. He is his commandments. 
He is his law. I mean, you can't separate the two. And so by rejecting the word of God, by rejecting the law of God, they have rejected him. Verse 17 and 18, watch this. They've rejected him, as they're going to say, in spite of his mercy. In verse 19, they've rejected him in spite of his presence. In verse 19, again, they've rejected him in spite of his leading. In verse 20, they've rejected him in spite of his instruction. And in verse 21, they've rejected him in spite of his provision. And look at verse, look at verse 21, would you please? Look what it says. Yea, 40 years did thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes wax not old, and their feet swell not. Hey, listen, they're ramping up to confession, and they are acknowledging they, they had rejected the one who gave them absolutely everything. Yeah. And that's where we are tonight, aren't we? That's right. I've been stuck on this verse lately over in Psalms when David said, All of my springs are in thee. What a beautiful psalm. He's the source of everything. What a beautiful way to say that. They confessed that they rejected God who made them a nation in verse 22 through 25. And then they confessed that they rejected God's provision of the judges. That was the, that was the provision of God. Why? They were going haywire. They weren't doing well ruling themselves. Right. So God gave them judges. Look at this in verse 30, what they acknowledge. Yet many years didn't thou forbear them and testified against them by thy spirit and the prophets. Yet would they not give ear, therefore gavest thou them into the hands of the people of the land. He said, even though we rejected, God, we rejected your mercy, we rejected your presence, we rejected your leading, we rejected your instruction, we rejected your provision, and then you forbear. You waited. You gave space to repent. Anybody's life been marked like that? Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for space that God gives. Yeah. 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 They're confessing everything. <laughs> I mean, they're just going through everything. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're going to God, you're long suffering. You are a long suffering God. You waited for us. Hey, do not confuse, do not confuse God's long suffering with, with his approval. Sometimes, watch, God has given us space to repent, and we think it's approval. And I'm telling you, sometimes if we go long enough, destruction comes suddenly. And the Bible says, and that without remedy. Yeah. They confess everything. But I want you to see this finally. The main thing that is needed for confession. They have acknowledged that God is the authority. They are confessing their rejection of God. In what, and that is all of our sin is, is rejection of God. Just a general thing. I don't care. Just name the sin, whatever it is, right? It falls under one heading, the rejection of God. Yeah. And notice finally here, they confess, I like this, verse 33, that God's right. Look at verse 33. How be it thou art just in all that is brought upon us, for thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Notice the three things they're saying. They're saying that God is just. What does just mean? It means that He's blameless without guilt. He is blameless. They say God is just. Secondly, they're saying that God is right, which is what? It means He's truth. He's truth. And they're saying what? We're wrong. 
We have done wickedly. What is that? that? What is that word there? You can go back and look it up if you want to in Hebrew. It means uh, just guilty. It means guilty. God is blameless. God is truth. And we are guilty. Boy, that is a great recipe for confession. You know what happens. Maybe you've been there before. Those three elements are there, but they are they're shaky. You're not coming in saying God is just and God is right and I'm wrong. You know. Sometimes when the confession of sin comes, if you're not careful, you'll watch yourself justifying why you sinned. And I tell you what, that is not saying that God is right. You're not, wait, you're not completely convinced that you're the problem alone. You know, you know, watch, sometimes we'll end up blaming God. Oh, no, 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 we don't say it. We don't say, God, it's your fault. Now, Adam did. It's the woman that thou gavest me. <laughs> he was blaming God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, we may not say it that way, but watch, when we don't come and just absolutely... Uh, uh, empty of ourself and come before him like that publican did when he smote upon his breath and said, God, forgive me a sinner, boy. Jesus said, that man went down to his house justified. What was he saying? That publican in his own little few words, what was he saying? God is just and God is right and I am wrong. No excuses. Well, there are reasons, yeah, but reasons aren't excuses. This is where they are. We're talking about the confession. When, 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 when mourning right, turns to confession. Yeah. So here they are. They desired the Word of God. They had searched the Word of God. They had found something. They were obeying the Word of God. They're rejoicing. They're enjoying their walk with the Lord. They're enjoying getting close to the Lord again. And uh, in that rejoicing, they saw the magnitude of their sin. There's nothing else they could do when they saw that. When they began to see how wicked their sin really was, they had to go to before God. He is their authority. He is who they rejected. And He is right. This is what they did. You know what they did in verse 38? They even went so far they wrote a covenant. I like this. They wrote a covenant. They went and wrote it down. They said, we're just not confessing publicly here and uh, making a whole thing of this. We're going to go ahead and write this dude down and we're going to get all the important people to sign it. Look at this. Uh, verse 38. I just Here it is. I missed it. And because of all this, we made a sure covenant and, and write it. And our princes, Levites and priests, seal unto it. Well, I tell you, you, wanna, you know what a good word there is? Accountability. They just wanted to be accountable to what they were confessing. Amen. They wanted they wanted people to get it down. Amen. You know what else they're saying? We're we're not doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> we're writing it down. To make sure we don't do it again. Watch this though. Watch this. Don't don't miss this. I, 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 sometimes I get in the weeds. Sometimes, but don't miss this. There was never a specific sin they they really named. I mean, there were. I mean, obviously specific things they said, right? But what was the overall general problem? The rejection of God. Yeah. And when they became convinced of God's authority 
and that he is right and that they were wrong and they had rejected him, I tell you what, that confession did something. So, some of you are wishing you have as much fun as they are having in there, right? Yeah. So, what about your sin? No, don't worry about naming what it is. Mm-hmm. What about your rejection of God? Yeah. Come on. Let's have you mourned over it yet? Is there, is, is there an area of your life that, that has never brought you to the place where the Israelites came? Where did they come? Well, they came to a place of no excuses, no justifying, no sugarcoating, no comparing. It was not as bad as what they did. Did you hear what they did? I mean, good night alive. He went to jail. I've never been in jail. No, we do that, don't we? Come on. Am I the... Have you come to the place where you have confessed God's authority in your life, that it was He alone who you have rejected, and that no matter what, He's right. He's right. You know what this process, you know what it begins? When you begin to see the Lord. When you start seeing the Lord again, oh, He'll bring circumstances. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple, Isaiah said. And he said, when he saw the Lord, what he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. What he had just got done doing? Well, six other woes against Israel, or five, five or six. But the last one was for himself. Boy, I tell you what, that changed him. But watch what happened after. He saw the Lord. He confessed his own sin. You know what happened? Then he could hear him again. God was not speaking to Isaiah. Look at the text. He overheard God. He said, I heard the Lord say, Who will go for us? Who will will we send? Who will go for us? He overheard him. You'll start hearing the Lord again. You'll start reading your Bible. It's just popping up all over the place. See, when you begin to see the Lord, the more you're in His Word, the circumstances come in your life. He shows Himself in a mighty way, in a merciful way, in a loving way, in a kind way, in a patient way. And you're just becoming enthralled again with Him. And you get back in your Word like His Word like you used to be. And you'll be able, be able, and, and you'll be able to be, begin to see Him again. His grace and His mercy and all of these things. And it's at that point you'll begin to see your sin as it is then you'll mourn over it. Then you'll come to a place of confession. Yeah. Between you and God alone is what you'll do. Listen, if we're ever going to see revival in our lives, if we're ever going to see revival in this church, if we're ever going to see revival in this city, if we're ever going to see it in our country, in our state, listen, if we're ever going to see revival, it's got to start here. This has got, listen, this has got to be an element of it leading up to it. Mourning over our rejection of God and come to a place of confessing, God, you're right. You are just. I'm wrong. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm overwhelmed all the time 
at the depth of the Word of God that I cannot get to the bottom of it, and at the same time, the utter simplicity of it. It's so simple. It's so simple. Our Father, would you search us tonight and see if there be any wicked way in me. May we say that. A rejection of you, ultimately what it is. And you know what? When we're, con- when we're confronted that as one of your children, i got to say it breaks our heart. I would never want to be... I would never want to be counted as one who just wants to reject you. But we know in essence that's what's going on. And so God, would you search us tonight? Would you do a work in our heart tonight that we might see you? That we might see you and who you are. That it might bring us to a place of confession, a mourning in confession. And Lord, that a relationship might be where you want it to be with us. And what's amazing to me, Father, is that you, you go through all of this, uh, Lord, not as some, some, some potentate and some uh, tyrant and some dictator that is just demanding this. You go through this as a loving father that wants a relationship with your children. And you just can't have what you want when it's just bedded down with sin. You love us that much, and I'm thankful for that. Such love, such wondrous love. We thank you for that tonight. So, Father, would you do that work in us and in our church? And uh, Lord, we'll thank you for where you bring us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand tonight, invitation, the instrumental pray. Play. You've got a chair there in front of you. It's the only altars we have in here, but it's a good one. However the Lord has spoken to you tonight, you just respond to him if you would. Lord, speaking to you, you, have you mourned over your rejection? Is there something in your life maybe that you see it and you've just never come before God with honesty, with an honest heart and saying in, in so many ways of just saying, no, no, you're right. I've tried to justify myself. I've tried to, I've tried to explain this way and I'm going to stop doing it tonight. I'm just going to say it. You're right. I'm wrong. And uh, I'm going to confess that. However, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you tonight. You respond to him. Life hasn't turned out like you thought and bitterness has crept in. Anger. Unforgiveness. Just lackadaisical about the things of God. They've just become ho-hum.
Well, praise the Lord. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. Say, say hello to all of our visitors in and out of here. So, so, so good to see everybody out. And uh, we're going to be closed. Uh, word of prayer. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm scanning. And uh, the uh, the elder piece. Would you close us in a word of prayer?